Hello and welcome to If Homeschool Walls Could Talk. I'm your host, Jenny Hahn. I had a really hard time deciding what to do my podcast on today. I actually wanted to post something a few days ago, but all the ideas I came up with, I just couldn't get excited about. Until yesterday, I so I think really well when I'm walking. When I'm walking and moving, then the ideas kind of generate. And I thought, you know what? I want to do one on my pros and cons of homeschooling. Now, first I want to say, these are my pros and cons. These are not all the pros and cons ever. I am not the spokesperson for homeschooling, and this is not the official list for all homeschoolers. These are my personal pros and cons that... I've experienced over a decade of homeschooling. This will probably change in another decade. It'll probably evolve, I would guess. So at this point in time, here are my pros and cons of homeschooling. And hopefully as you listen to those, you can think, oh, how does this relate to my homeschool experience or to my parenting experience and just see if you see some connections there and if you do drop me a note or send me something saying actually I think that's a pro and you're saying it's a con that would be awesome you can find me on Facebook my Facebook name is Jenny Clark Hahn you can go find me there and friend me or you can find me on Instagram my Instagram handle is at Hahn underscore Jenny J-E-N-N-Y and tell me what your pros and cons are or how does this connect to your story? So, so here's my list. So the first thing that is a big pro for me is control over what my kids are learning. Now I don't mean like control, like micromanage, but more like, I feel like this is a gap in our knowledge base at our house. So we're going to talk about it. So for instance, we just did a big personal finance project with my younger kids where they actually had an amount of money they had to balance and pay for things, pay bills, and then balance a checkbook and then like save money and earn interest on it. It was all fake money, though they did get a little something some at the end there for all their hard work. Now the project was totally railroaded by COVID because there were going to be like field trips they were going to pay for and different fun outings and it ended up that they didn't really spend hardly any money. But... That's totally super accurate to what is happening right now. I am spending almost no money on gas. So there you go. They didn't spend any money on gas either. So that control over learning, like just filling in gaps where I see them or picking something everybody's excited about, we can just do whatever we want. But also a con to that is all the research, all the planning, so much surfing of the internet. It just takes time. Not that I don't enjoy that process, but there's times I don't enjoy that process. Sometimes I just want somebody to hand me a package and say, do this. And there is that. It costs money. Sometimes it's free. You just have to go digging for those things. If you get lucky, like with the personal finance project, I just asked my friend Sia who had already done it. And so she told me all the things she did. So just sometimes it can be easy like that, but it's effort. You don't just, it isn't all handed to you. So that's kind of a con for me because I'm lazy and I don't want to make a ton of effort. So anyway, so another thing that is a pro for me is no carpool lanes or parent-teacher meetings. I love teachers. I have teachers in my family. It just takes time and you got to go to the meeting and you got to 
find out all the things. And I remember sitting in a parent-teacher meeting with my daughter and not even understanding what it was they were sharing with me, like some graphs and different things. And I just thought, is is my daughter doing well? I can't tell from this information you're giving me. It was some kind of rubric where they graded themselves. And this is my anxious oldest daughter, who, if you listen to the last podcast, was always anxious, even in third grade. So she'd given herself all these terrible ratings in this rubric. And I'm totally confused because it's way higher from, like her teacher gave her a way higher score in these things. So it was like, I'd, yeah. And like the volunteering at the schools and sitting in the carpool lane, like nothing about that was easy for me. I had a hard time with all of that. So that's a big pro. I don't have to do any of those things. It's awesome. I love that. So one of the cons though is I'm still driving around a lot. I still, I have a lot of kids. I have six kids. Not all of them drive. I got two, almost three drivers. But then if they drive, they take a car away. So there's still just like a lot of running around. And I think a lot of people think homeschoolers, that means they're home all the time. But somebody else more accurately said that it's more like car schooling. And that's how I feel sometimes. And I'm not always great about making good use of the car schooling time. <laughs> like people who listen to, you know, history audios in the car. Sometimes I just want it to be silent. Totally silent. Or if I got a really great idea for something we're going to listen to, the four-year-old protests loudly and we all end up defaulting to whatever he wants. So kind of a con for me, all the time still in the car. Speaking of time, a big pro is I do have more time for myself. I'm not as bound to a schedule unless I pick it, unless I pick to obligate myself to a schedule, which also happens, but I do have more time to myself. So for instance, it's a Thursday, it's 1.15. I'm recording a podcast in my bonus room and my kids are in the kitchen and living room and I've bribed the 13 year old with web comics time to read web comics to watch her four-year-old brother. <laughs> so I have time to myself. I probably will have time to myself for a couple of hours just to work on things or read or balance my budget or go on a walk, whatever it is. I do have lots of time for myself. And in the evenings, I tend to also have more time to myself. Now I'm talking pre-COVID, right? I still have time. Post-COVID, I have so much time. It's like beautiful, but that me time, I, it requires really good boundaries, which I am not always awesome at. I have friends who have an instituted, like homeschool friends. They have quiet time in the afternoons, like one to three or two to four or something like that. And it's family wide and everybody goes to the rooms and it's, they do whatever quiet thing in their rooms, teenagers down to toddlers and babies. And the mom has their own quiet time. I have never done this since I had napping babies. I don't have like a quiet time. So I'm not good at this. Like it just feels like another rule and another thing I have to enforce, but really it's culture. My friends who do this have created a culture and I haven't done that. I haven't created that culture. And so that me time and that having that set aside time so I can do whatever I want. It requires really good boundaries and I am not always awesome at boundaries. So that's a con for me that I have not learned that skill. I hope someday 
someday I will have the boundary skill. <laughs> like I need to read books on this. That's how I learn all the things. Okay, another pro, uh, another pro is that the moves have been easier. We've I talked about it in the very first episode, all of our moves across the country and not having to navigate new school systems. That's a big pro, like that's awesome. My kids aren't always put in these new classroom situations and having to navigate that. They still have had to do that in social circles, like new homeschool groups and new church groups, but it's not as intensive as being in an all day school. So it really has been a lot easier to move. Now that said, it's been easier on my husband and I, but moves in general are not easy. Unless you have like the culture of your family where you are moving all the time, or you're one of those homeschool families that lives in an RV and you travel everywhere, or we have friends who've lived all over Europe and they don't really stay put in one spot for very long. That's their culture. And so the kids like they embrace that culture. But when you have a culture of now we live here and we buy a home or rent a home and we live here long term and we build a community around ourselves and now we uproot and we go someplace else. For some reason in my head, I thought this is going to make moving so much easier to homeschool. It still has been incredibly hard on my kids to move. And that's a con. I don't know if that's a con for homeschooling. Maybe because I'm just like, I was so unaware or if that's a con for moving. <laughs> I'm not sure which one that is. I'll let you guys sort that out. But my kids have dealt with a lot of, I'm not capital T trauma, but definitely lowercase t trauma of moving and uprooting. And that's that's been really hard. We've dealt with the repercussions of that for several years. So right now my kids are in the stage where the really young kids are like, yeah, we could move. And my older kids are like, if you move, I'm not coming. We kind of have to stay put for a little while while we like woo the younger children to get on board with like living internationally or something. No plans, any family listening, no plans to move. It's just, you know, a thought. Okay, so another big pro is individualized education for our kids to really go, how do they learn best? What's their learning styles? And being able to adapt to those different styles. Now, a great example of this is I have six kids. Three of them are dyslexic. One is profoundly dyslexic. Like she could not recognize letters or she didn't really read fluently until she was 12. And this was a big cause of worry and for like our family, especially grandparents worried about that. My husband worried a lot about it. And it was a big focus of our homeschool was trying to help my daughter and it all worked out. And part of that is the dyslexic brain takes longer. Part of it is me learning how to teach her best. And the pro of this is that I was able to advocate for her and really cater to her needs. It was effort to me. Like to me, there's no con on this one because I like I grew so much in that and my daughter has such confidence in herself. Like she never felt stupid or behind. She just knew her brain worked differently. And it ended up being this really amazing thing because she was so obviously dyslexic. Whereas my other kids, it took a little while because they just really more had like the auditory components of dyslexia, not necessarily the visual. So for instance, my other two kids never could really figure out phonics 
could never like decode a word, like sound out a word. They just could not grasp it. And different things like, um, if I would say a bunch of letters in a row, they wouldn't be able to repeat them back to me. Like they couldn't hold the letters in their heads just from hearing them or like spelling a word out loud, things like that. So all these little things, they've been able to learn how to compensate because we were able to kind of like just ferret this out. When we, my daughter who couldn't read at all for several years, when I started to kind of despairing, like why can't she even memorize letters of the alphabet? I started asking people what's going on with her. Somebody said, oh, well her right brain is, is compensating. I didn't know what that meant. Somebody else said, well, it's her vision. So we had her vision checked and the eye doctor even was like, well, I mean, her vision's perfect, but let's give her glasses anyway, which I just found in a drawer. She's never worn them. She has perfect vision. That wasn't the issue. The issue was dyslexia, but it took me doing all the hunting and all the researching and talking to people to figure that out. And then me to find the right programs to help her and to teach her how to work with it. And I did all of that. And probably for a lot of people, it's a con. And I've talked to other homeschool moms who've had kids with these same issues and they're totally happy to get outside help and get tutors or, you know, school resources, that kind of thing. I didn't have money for tutors and I didn't really want to commit myself to trips to school all the time. So I just said, I'm just going to figure this out myself, but it has been like transformational in our family for me to understand these concepts and it's made like a world of difference in our home. So for me, huge, huge, huge pro, but that individualized education for each kid. I love that. I love being able to go, okay, you learn best this way. We're going to sing a song to go with this. I don't even know. I'm just like blurting out ideas, but I really like that because then I'm teaching my kids skills that then they can take on to higher education and into life to go, okay, I've memorized best when I use these things, that kind of thing. So huge pro for me. So another pro is that my kids see me living my life. So we talked about like that me time. And that's what they see me doing all the time. They see me put on exercise clothes and go out for a walk, or they walk in when I'm doing yoga, or they see me reading a book or preparing for, um, like when I was teaching Shakespeare, they would see me watching clips and scribbling notes on my script and trying to figure out how to block a scene, or they would be they would stand in for people for me. And like, they were part of that whole world that I was living in that were just things that were for me. They weren't necessarily for them. It was just me working on the things that I am interested in. And it wasn't that I lived this life that they didn't know anything about. They were always there. They always saw the things that I was working on and, and doing. So I see that as a huge pro because it's not like, my life was this mysterious thing to them. They knew what I was interested in, what I was working on. They also know when I'm surfing YouTube. So that's kind of a con, but you know, I guess we can take it as a pro. They know that their mom can sometimes totally waste time because that is absolutely true. So the con to that, besides my kids seeing me mess around on YouTube, watching who knows what, um, <laughs> it's, it's really easy to let kids kind of swallow up my life and for everything about my life to be about them because their needs are unrelenting and never ending. And 
other redundant words for never ending. <laughs> they just, kids are parasites and they will just suck everything from you. And again, like that whole, you need to have good boundaries. Yes. Again, here, you need to have good boundaries. And I could easily spend my entire day only helping them, working with them, teaching them, playing with them. And then they would think that my whole life revolves around them and that I don't actually have any personal interests or play an instrument or listen to music or write or any of those things. They would just think my mom's whole purpose is revolves around me. And that's not true. And I sure hope that's not true because they're going to leave. And then what am I going to do? That That's a con is you, it's really easy to let that happen. Okay. Huge pro is that I don't clean or do laundry by myself. Like I am not the maid, though I will complain to my children. They're listening. They know I complain. I am not your maid. This is not a hotel. I'm not a waitress. But it's true. They do a ton of work. They do their own laundry, except the four-year-old. They have, we have so many chores, guys. We have morning chores. We have midday chores. We have evening chores. We have Friday chores. And then they have the chores their dad comes up with on the weekend. So there's a lot of chores, but there's a lot of them that's spread out. I actually live in fear of when I have very few children at home, because that means I'm going to have to start doing more chores again. And I am not ready for that. So I like waffle between, do I start pitching in with chores again on a more intensive level, like when they were little, or do I hire a maid? I don't know if I will have money for a maid. I don't know what to do. I haven't even thought that far yet. So, but there's, right now there's a lot of them and they contribute a lot. And in fact, on Wednesdays when I'm teaching music lessons, which are all online now, by the way, not my favorite, but they make dinner, they watch the four-year-old, they take care of each other, they try not to make too much noise, but what are you going to do? So that's awesome. The con to that is my kids are home all day long making huge messes. They, we go to bed with the house pretty well tidied up, dishes done, counters wiped down, rooms picked up. I mean, like 90%, 80, 80%, right? It's not perfect. Sometimes it, we get pretty clean, but it's not always perfect. And then less than 24 hours later, the house is trashed. And that is pretty much every day. So if I were more like, had a harder time with a mess, this would be like a really big con. I just am like medium, have a hard time with messes. Like stuff everywhere, I can handle that. I know it's gonna get picked up. Like living in filth, dirty dishes, unswept floors, dirty socks everywhere, I will lose my mind. We have so many chores that mom doesn't lose her mind. Nobody wants mom to lose her mind. So since they're home all day making huge messes, then that means we have to clean up big messes every day. Okay, so another one is and um, slightly less funny, but it, just the expense of homeschooling. People homeschool for free all the time. There are so many programs, depending on the state you live in, you can homeschool 100% paid for by the state if you use like a program like K-12. I don't love K-12. I don't love online programs because my kids tend to get really squirrely if they're on screens a lot. We try to really limit screens um, because we get like temper tantrums and irritability and insomnia. Let me tell you, mama doesn't need kids who go, don't go to sleep at night. So I'm very conscientious about screen time. 
so that I get sleep at night. So the, a lot of those free online programs, we don't use them, which means there is the expense. Not so much now because I have invested in lots of great books. If this were like a vlog or something, I would show you the bookshelves in the house. So I've put a lot of investment into books, a lot of used books, lots of things that were just given to me, just things I've collected over the years. But that was a process, like I'm 10 years in. So somebody homeschooling right off the bat, especially when you don't really know what it is you're doing, you don't know what things you're gonna use long-term. Sometimes you spend money on things that you don't end up using. If you're if you're lucky, you live in an area where you got a great like homeschool store where you can sell back things or like an online marketplace where people sell and swap things. That's awesome. Let me tell you, the resources for that now versus 10 years ago is amazing. It has grown so much. It's so much better to be a homeschooler now than it was then. So yeah, so it's there's the expense involved depending on how many kids, depending on need, depending on your style, et cetera, et cetera. But you can do it as cheap as you want. And then also like, how do you work in homeschool? How do you earn a wage if you need to do that in your family? What if you really, your heart is in homeschooling, but it's just not even feasible. So over the years, I have almost always done some kind of side gig. I'm a musician, so I've taught a lot of music. And like just working that into the family routine, it's challenging, it's hard. But I like paying for lessons and I like paying for karate and I like to have those options that we may not have otherwise. So it's kind of, it's a struggle, right? But I feel like anytime you decide to have kids, you're going to be making those kind of decisions and those struggles, whether or not you homeschool. I have sisters who've worked full time with having kids and then you're, you've got daycare and you've got all the juggling that you have to do and worry about. So, but yeah, it's, it's a struggle just trying to figure all those things out. Okay, so another pro is that you're creating a culture in your family. You have time to do that. You're creating this culture of learning or culture of reading or music or sports or whatever is really important to you when you're homeschooling. You, I love that I've created a culture in my home and it has evolved over time. We've kind of figured out, you know, what's the most important? What do we invest our time and our effort in? I love that. But the con is this is deliberate. You have to be really deliberate at this because otherwise it'll default to something, whatever the path of least resistance is, that's what your culture ends up being. And so it's something I have to always be conscientious of when we pursue a new venture or I'm trying to figure out, do I pay for that sport or that lesson or that book series or whatever? Does this support the culture I'm trying to create? Does this support my philosophy about life and learning? And, and then kids throw their own opinions in there too. And I mean, that's kind of a con because it's just, it's more effort, right? Just more demands out of you. Like, I don't think there's anything about parenting that is necessarily easy or effortless. And people probably shouldn't go into parenting thinking this is going to be so easy. I'm going to plug my child into this agenda that I have and it'll all turn out right. right? Like if anyone has that mindset, it's just super not realistic. So I hope nobody has that mindset. No matter what you do with parenting, it's deliberate. Or it's just going to happen and you're not going to have a say into how it turns out. So um, another pro is that friend time is like curated is the word I wrote down because I was thinking, how do I describe this? 
because my kids love to play with their friends. They love to spend time with their friends. And we're just really like deliberate about friend time. We're going to play with these friends on this day. We're going to spend these this time with these friends. I love that. So it isn't just a default. They're just stuck with whoever. And like at our Commonwealth school, it's whoever is registered at Commonwealth that year, you know, that's who they're spending time with. But like all the other friend time, it's people we've picked to hang out with. So I love that because usually I think their moms are awesome too. And that's a big bonus for me. But a con is what if your circle's really small? Like what if you just don't know a ton of people? What if you live in a really small area? We experienced this when we lived in North Carolina. We just never found a good fit for my oldest daughter. She never really had a good friend. It was a real struggle there. She, her friend situation was not great. It was a very sad time for her. And that was three years of struggling to find the right friend because that circle was just too small. We lived in an area where it was a lot of grad students because we lived in the research triangle, which is Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. So most everyone we knew were grad students with kids much younger than our kids. So it was rough. And even in the homeschool groups that we joined, she just never really clicked with anybody. So that was hard. And then um, when we lived in Utah for that six months, Again, it was just really hard trying to find the right combination of people that we knew in the neighborhood and people in the area. It just doesn't always click. So if your circle's kind of small, like we've experienced having a small circle, friend time, it can be kind of rough. Okay, so another pro is lots of discussion. We are discussing things all the time. So for instance, I we just had a book discussion this morning on the four tendencies by Gretchen Rubin, which is a book I read recently. And I told my kids, Hey, if you guys read this, we can have a discussion about it. We spent an hour talking about it and debating and analyzing each other and just having a really great time. And that's how school looks like a lot for us is lots and lots and lots of discussion. The con to that is that just so much talking. <laughs> I don't know, like, there, how you can have both things as a pro and a con, but sometimes I'm tired of people talking to me and I just want quiet. And sometimes in the car, like I just institute silence in the car just so it can be quiet. And when it's like 10 o'clock at night and there's still like children in my bedroom talking to me, it's just almost too much. It It is too much a lot of nights. And my husband who We'll have had lots of meetings or something. He's maxed out. I'm maxed out. Everybody still wants to keep talking. And you know what? I send them to their rooms and they can talk to each other. And no harm is done. If somebody has an actual emotional crisis, which apparently only happens at 10 p.m. for teenagers, I've discovered they own those emotional crises. Like they don't kick in till late at night. So then we deal with them. But there's a lot of times that I'm just just exhausted from all the talking. I need a break from talking. Okay. So another pro is I'm just like, I'm super dialed in on my kids and their inner lives and what they're struggling with, what they're thinking about. Uh, we've built a lot of trust over the years and that could be a whole, it's a whole other podcast as how I've like worked on preserving the relationship with my kids. Cause that has definitely gone through a lot of rough patches, those relationships. So right now, we're in a good place. So I'm, I am their trusted person and they can talk to me about lots of stuff. So I know what's going on. I don't have to guess. We have a good back and forth there, which is super important to me. 
And the con is then I like question myself a lot because I'll know what their struggles are and think, what could I have done differently to make this struggle easier? Or they're having a really hard time with me right now. So there's just a lot of self-doubt that I wrestle with and that's not super fun, as you can imagine. That's, you know, the stuff that I have to work out in my own brain. Related to that is like homeschooling for us is like super great during crisis, time of crisis. We've like whenever, and I call having a baby a crisis because having babies are really hard on me. It's amazing I had six, but that's definitely like crisis time where we just hunker down bare minimum, just make sure nobody dies and gets fed, that kind of thing. So that's really great because they help take care of each other and they help pitch in. When they were much younger, the crisis wouldn't feel so difficult. It was more manageable, which was good because they were so much younger and they weren't any help. It's been great during that, like, major moves. You know, it's okay that we just don't get any schoolwork done for a while. A while meaning sometimes months. We don't get very much done, and it's okay. We don't have to worry about transitioning to new schools and things like that. So it's been great during those kind of crisis times. But then there's also the guilt because we're not doing anything. Even though I just had a baby, I just had a C-section, I just had a major health crisis, I, we just moved across the country, and still yet, I'm not doing anything with homeschool. I'm a bad mom. That, like, inner dialogue happening, that negative self-talk, it's really, it's a struggle. Okay, so another pro, this is something else I love, and I talked about no parent-teacher meetings, no carpool lanes, that kind of stuff, is I love not having to answer to anybody except for my husband, <laughs> who sometimes is like, what is happening? Why is nothing happening? <laughs> like, it just looks like no learning is happening. So yeah, I guess, I mean, we answer to each other, right? So there's that kind of like, yeah, I don't really answer to anybody, but also I'm to blame kind of mental thinking that I have. Um, if it isn't going well, then it must be my fault. That's the kind of con is this two halves of the same coin. And I don't really feel like that's always the way that my brain goes is, oh, this is all my fault. But I've definitely had periods of time in my life where just shaming myself, this is my fault. I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad homeschool mom. So those periods of time have not been my favorite. Those have been rough. Um, okay. So another pro is that my kids are kind of great at feeding themselves because I don't cook for them during the day. I cook dinner, but in general, I don't make breakfast or lunch. Now, now that my kids are teenagers, now they're older. I make breakfast for the breakfast and lunch for the four-year-old all the time, but they also do and they pitch in and they help. And I love that. Um, but they're also, they're a little bit snobbish about what they'll eat. Not picky, more like, um, I'm going to now make myself an omelet and use all the all the things and make a big mess, which will then whoever's in charge of cleaning our breakfast will be super crabby about. But also like nobody eats sandwiches for lunch because why eat sandwiches when there's leftover, you know, Indian food or something from the night before, like they only want to eat the yummiest possible things. I just wish they were okay with a sandwich. Like I love sandwiches. And I've just given up on buying sandwich stuff because nobody eats a sandwich. 
They all want like hot prepared food. They want the stir fried rice. Okay, another like random things is I love that there's no big morning rush. I'm a morning person. I'm usually up by 6, 6.30 every day. I love mornings. I feel like at my best in the mornings and I want everyone else to be the same, but it doesn't work like that. Especially now with COVID, like my teenagers usually have an early morning religion class during the school year, but now that's all online whenever they want to do it. I've been talking a lot, but I've only got a few more, a couple more. So the pro that I love is that my kids own their education in theory, right? It's like, I preach this all the time. We practice this all the time. This is your education. This is your life. You are going to pick what it looks like. You pick whether or not you learn this. I cannot force feed you an education. I will provide you opportunities. I will invite you. I will inspire you, but it's yours. Okay. So that's a big pro. I love that culture that we've created. That's, it's super important to me. I've seen how applicable it is across the board to all aspects of life, that passion for learning. The con is watching them do nothing, that they really do own their education, but they choose to do nothing. That is so hard. One of my least favorite things. And I keep joking to people, and I even said it to my kids today, that from 11 to 14 year olds, it's pretty much just a wash. Like nothing really happens. It's really, really hard to watch kids just not want to do anything. Uh, and just being patient during that time period, just kind of still loving them, working on the relationship, making the relationship a safe place where they feel loved, still requiring things from them. I still require a lot of housework and chores and participating in what I call mom school. That's what I'm leading and doing. If they're not going to do stuff on their own, they're for sure going to come do stuff with me and the younger kids. I love that we just do so little testing, almost no tests. Sometimes my kids beg me for a test. Please give me a spelling test. Please give me a math test. Like I just don't see the point in a test when I know whether or not they understand. If they don't understand, we keep working on it. If they do understand, we move on to the next thing. I don't see the point in their test. I do have kids who love tests, love to get a score, love to get a star or see a red mark. And I totally am fine with that. But I always make them go and fix the things they get wrong. And then we end up talking about a lot more. So to them, it's kind of this mixed bag. If I have a test, this might equal more work. So do I want the more work or... They just want to test and then move on to the next thing. I'm like, no, no, no. If you miss it, we're going to learn it. We're going to keep learning that thing. So it's kind of a mixed bag for them. So I like that we don't do very much testing, but that also means as the con, I have to teach them how to take tests because there's still tests they have to take. It still happens. Like we do standardized testing every summer. So we have to talk about how do you fill in a bubble? Now we do it online, but back in the days, filling in bubbles. How do you fill in a bubble? What should that look like? How do you do a timed test. And I mean, this is not long. It doesn't take a long time to teach them this, but then now I've got kids who've taken the ACT or are now preparing to take the ACT and teaching them, okay, this isn't actually a test of what you know. It's a test of how well do you play this game of this test and trying to explain that. And how do you learn the techniques to game the test so that you get a good score, et cetera, et cetera. Not my favorite. I don't enjoy that. 
and they question everything. Why is it this way? Why can't I do this other way? Why, why, why all the whys? And so I have to just be on my top form to answer all the questions. So not my favorite, it's a con. But then when they have their own choice to do whatever they want because they own their education, they do nothing. And all of my kids have been through this. I know it is normal. It is a natural state of development. It's, yeah, it's developmentally appropriate, all the things. It is so hard to watch and just so easy to default to force and bribery and chastisement and shame and micromanagement. It is so much easier to do those things, but they like, they break my spirit down to nothing. And it is this contest of wills with this child and it just destroys a relationship. So I'm speaking from having done both. It is always worth it to go the other route where you don't micromanage and you don't shame and you you just ride it out and just hang in there. I will say the, the thing that has helped me the most is just understanding who they are as a person. I've read a lot of psychology books over the years to learn these skills. I've read personality typing. Like I told you, we read The Four Tendencies. Again, that has helped me understand my 15-year-old, understand all my kids so much better. And once I understand them better, then I'm able to like kind of ride the wave of those hard periods better. That's a con, is watching them do nothing and choose nothing and say, I don't care about anything. Oh, that's hard. It's hard. Okay, last one, hopefully, unless I think of another one. Big pro, I like the fact that we're different. I like the fact that we don't fit into a mold or a stereotype. I like the fact that we're a little bit weird in some ways. Like to me, that's pro, I like it. Um, not all my kids feel that same way. <laughs> not all my kids enjoy being a little bit weird. Some of them have embraced it. And I have some pretty funny stories coming up in a future episode about things that they have done to embrace the weirdness or the differentness. And I know that being a weird homeschooler is a whole thing. It's a whole stereotype. That doesn't bother me. I can't get anybody up and going in the morning. And nobody even changes out of their pajamas till like lunchtime, if at all. My four-year-old now wears PJs almost constantly. I do make him change into clean PJs at night, but it's like this argument every day because he sees everybody else in their pajamas. And I know this is like a big pro for a lot of homeschooled kids who say, I can wear my pajamas all day. Well, as a mom who like, to me, it's like you get up, you get dressed, you get going, like embrace the day. If the sun's up, you should be up doing stuff. And my kids don't share that. I say that as I am still in my exercise clothes at 1.42 in the afternoon. So I can talk the talk, but I may not walk the walk, but it's not pajamas. I'm not in my pajamas. So I know this doesn't matter to a lot, a lot of people, but it super matters to me that I want people dressed for the day and they don't get dressed. That's a con for me. And like people think they're complimenting me if they say, oh, but you guys aren't weird. Like you don't come up, you're not like the weird homeschoolers. And I think, oh, I still want to be different. I don't want to look like everybody else. Some of my kids kind of want to look like everybody else and that's okay. Everybody's navigating this in their own way. The con to that is just then dealing with the judgment when you are not the same as everybody else and 
I mean, really culturally, we like everybody to kind of be homogenous. We want, you know, slight variations, but we don't want anybody being like really weird or really bucking the system or whatever it is. We want them to fall within a window of normal. And when you don't, sometimes that's, that's hard. And dealing with comments that people make and stuff, it's just not my favorite. It doesn't, it's happened less over the years. As time goes on, it's happened less and less. But it was really rough starting out. Just a lot of judgment about, you know, just doing things a different way. That's a con. Anyway, that's my exhaustive list of pros and cons to homeschooling. Again, like I said, these are mine. Somebody else might completely reverse those and think that they're, you know, a pro is a con and vice versa. But this is, this is a, you know, I want to be kind of honest about what has been hard for us and what things that have been easy. Because I think that in some, like some circles, we tend to stick to just all the easy stuff. And then you have other circles where it's just venting, where people just want to vent and they want to dump. And everything you pick is going to have pros and cons. Every path you pick is going to be hard. And I think it's just a good idea to kind of like look at that and go, okay, well, what is hard? Is this too much? Is this the hard that I'm on board with or, or not? Like maybe I need to change something. And there's definitely been times where I've looked at my cons of what's going on in our lives and gone, uh, yeah, that's not worth it. We need to change. I don't want that, that negative part anymore. Been interesting with the quarantine just realizing how incredibly busy I had let our life become and how much time we were spending in the car and overcommitted we were. And now I'm realizing when I have no commitments and I can't remember the last time I drove my car, Saturday maybe, I don't remember, that I really need less running around. I think that's probably a universal feeling at this point though, that something needs to change. People's needs need to be met in different ways so that we are running around a whole lot less. That's the kind of stuff, right? When you're parenting and when in life that you got to weigh all these things and you don't always get a, all the options stripped away like you do with a quarantine. Sometimes you have to like actually make a conscious choice to strip away things. And that's a lot harder. This is, this is kind of easier in some ways. So maybe pros and cons of homeschooling and quarantine are that all the extras are taken, that you get to reevaluate what's most important. But the cons being that we miss all our friends. We miss all the people. That's definitely probably the biggest con. Thanks for joining me today as I go through my pros and cons of homeschooling. It was a lot of fun to write the episode and to reminisce about all the different things I've experienced and what works for me and what is not the fun parts. So thanks again for joining me. And I, if you have a minute and you can hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review, that would be super fantastic. I love feedback. I love knowing how I can improve. So if there's anything you want to let me know, I will definitely see it over there. And if there's a topic that you wish that you could hear from, that would also be helpful. You can reach me on Instagram, Facebook, and I would love to hear from you. This is If Homeschool Walls Could Talk, and I'm your host, Jenny Hahn.